to our podcast, Ascenta Insight Series 2. I'm your host, Nanda Felding, a senior partner at Ascenta Partners, a contemporary executive search firm in London, where I run the global consumer and brand practice. Series 2 is themed purpose, which is a popular topic at the moment and include multiple aspects such as branding, sustainability, DEI, well-being, and much more. Series 2 has a similar format in terms of a center inviting guest speakers from all around the world to share their inspiring stories, thoughts, and insights on purpose-driven topics. I'm delighted to welcome this month's guest as we have the pleasure of re-inviting one of our Ascenta's in-house experts, Chika Okeke, our Head of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion. Chika has spent the last 12 years working with organizations to hire, retain and develop top talent. She has a track record helping clients to design and implement global corporate strategies on improving their racial diversity. Today, she will discuss an interesting topic and will provide food for thought in terms of challenging what is classified as the right quality profile with an eye on the diversity agenda. How can an organization maximize diversity, equity, and inclusion with a more progressive approach to talent attraction? The pandemic has demonstrated companies in terms of what truly matters for senior leaders. Empathy, agility, collaboration, humility, authenticities, these are just some of the buzzwords of the next generation leaders and skill sets they need to have. Yet they're all soft skills. So isn't it time we look at hiring differently as well? Linking this to the positive and ambitious DEI talent acquisition and development plans of many organizations is interesting, as we might be able to come up with new perspectives in terms of talent pools and talent acquisition strategies. Chika, thanks for joining us today, and over to you. Thanks, Nanda. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is important to us. We would like to see a diverse shortlist. We would like to recruit someone from an underrepresented group. But we won't compromise on quality. We need to ensure we recruit the right person. If you didn't notice anything wrong with this statement then it's likely that your unconscious bias is at work. Unfortunately, this phrase is spoken of all too often in the corporate world. The insinuation here is that improving minority representation may not be possible if your organisation wants to ensure the quality of work is not compromised. When explained so directly and said out loud, it sounds rather bizarre, but this indeed is the narrative that is being painted and it presents a significant barrier to diversity, equity, and inclusion. In October of 2020, Wells Fargo Chief Executive Charles Schaff issued a public apology after an internal memo he had written became public news. In that memo, Schaff had stated that the bank had trouble reaching its diversity goals and attributed this to the lack of qualified minority candidates. Wells Fargo is not alone in this thought process. I've spoken to multiple hiring managers in my time, and they insist that they want to hire and promote more women or more people of colour or those from different social economic backgrounds, for example, but that they simply don't exist. 
They tell me there aren't enough quality candidates from underrepresented groups, either to hire or promote to senior positions. Thus, organizational diversity is too hard to achieve, not because of the efforts being made to do so, but simply because of the lack of quality in the talent pool. My response to this statement is a question. Since when did diversity, equity and inclusion, or recruiting someone from an underrepresented group, have anything to do with the quality of people you hire? It is a dangerous connection that we must be careful not to advocate for. Rightly so, backlash followed Wells Fargo. Scharf was quick to issue an apology and admit something we all need to be more aware of. That is how our unconscious biases affect the way we perceive other people. You know, last week I saw an example of this in action. On my LinkedIn, someone whom I went to university with posted a very thought-provoking statement about what we perceive quality to be. He works in finance and he was embarking on some recruitment for his team. In reviewing job descriptions from other organisations, he was shocked to see how many companies still specify that the candidate should have a degree from a top university and should have trained from one of the big four accounting firms. His point was that these job descriptions suggest that if you have followed this particular route, that it makes you more qualified than an individual who didn't go to a Russell Group University, for example, and didn't train at one of the big four accounting firms. How can an organisation maximise diversity, equity and inclusion if their approach to talent attraction remains so narrow? This is even more worrying when research shows that academics and educational experiences are the least predicative metrics in assessing how a person performs in their job. Organisations should focus less on academic attainment and more on other indicators, such as personality, behaviour and motivations, three dimensions we measure in our Cognitive Diversity Leadership Tool, which are proven to be more successful indicators in assessing whether a candidate would be right for the position they are being interviewed for. What was interesting about the LinkedIn post was the comments that followed. One senior individual commented that whilst he didn't feel that candidates that fit this background were automatically good, but that they were, in his view, the least risky hire. Hiring someone outside of the mould presented a risk that hiring managers aren't willing to take. This line of reasoning suggests that if you are someone who doesn't fit the traditional narrative, you are seen as a risk to the organisation. In this way, you are on the back foot from the beginning. Not only are you less likely to get the job, but if you do get hired because you are able to convince the hiring manager to take the risk by hiring you, from the moment you join, you have the burden of representing your entire minority group. And if you do indeed fail, the enhancement of diversity within the organisation also fails with you. The foundation these thought processes are built on however well-reasoned they might be, are not only harmful to the advancement of diversity, equity and inclusion, but are also based on false narratives that need to be set right. Autumn MacDonald describes this thought process as a foundational fallacy in her article, The Racism of the Hard-to-Find Qualified Black Candidate Trope, in the Stanford Social Innovation Journal.
MacDonald argues that the notion that there is a single most qualified candidate to hire or employee to promote is completely false because the label most qualified is an assumption that is based on subjectivity. The difficulty with this is that this notion of the most qualified candidate is regularly used in hiring decisions and promotion processes. One of the biggest influences of hiring decisions is culture fit. This is often the requirement for candidates to be similar to the organization, the team, or even the hiring manager. The danger of this comes when looking at the composition of the organization, the team, and the hiring manager. If all are white, middle class, private school educated men, rather than encouraging divergence, it has the power to perpetuate homogeny by creating artificial barriers that prevent those from underrepresented groups advancing into senior level positions. If culture fit is to be a measurement for successful hiring, then the focus of the organization should not be on interrogating the cultural fit of the prospective candidate, but ensuring their organization has an inclusive and progressive culture itself. If an organization has the right culture, it should attract a diverse workforce. It should be suitable for a wide range of people from different backgrounds. To break the link between diversity and quality, organizations need to be open to the fact that this narrative is one that might not be held by one or two hiring managers, but rather the result of a system-wide failure due to inconsistent levels of scrutiny during the hiring process. I would encourage organizations to investigate how they ensure their recruitment processes are not just fair and equitable, but ensure that checks and balances are put in place to reduce bias at every stage of the hiring process. Let me give you an example. I've had clients in the past move a candidate through to advanced interview stages due to that candidate being recommended by someone internally. Now, of course, recommendations form part of many hiring processes. But in some situations, the recommended candidate may not have any of the key skill sets the client actually needs. Nonetheless, the client may be willing to turn a blind eye due to the power of the recommendation. By comparison, a minority candidate who has not come recommended may find themselves put through an extensive interview and assessment process only to reach the same stage as the recommended candidate. In my view, the right approach to take here is to accept the recommendation but ask both candidates to participate in the exact same assessment process. Unfortunately, this doesn't always happen. And if a person's personal network does not include those from underrepresented groups, unconscious bias prevails and it reaffirms the status quo. Diversity, equity and inclusion must be more than a buzzword or a nice to have if we truly want change to take place. Gone are the days where we are still pondering over its business case. We now know that it is both a moral and a business imperative for organizations that don't want to be left behind. But how do organizations go about recruiting more people from underrepresented groups? I'm of the opinion that there is no standardized effective practice for the recruitment of underrepresented groups. In other words, 
there is no one size fits all approach. And you will not be successful unless you take a strategic approach to your recruitment efforts. This is perhaps what Wells Fargo came to understand after the backlash that followed Schaaf's statement. If you want to engage with underrepresented groups and truly create a diverse workforce, you have to go out of your way to do it. It will take time and it will require investment. One approach may be to take a more proactive rather than a reactive approach to your talent acquisition needs by building a talent pipeline of diverse talent. In this way, you are not going to the market with a desperate need, which is often time critical, but you are future-proofing the build of high-performing diverse teams with quality individuals who know your business and who have bought into your brand. Talent pipelining is impactful because its power lies in relationship recruiting and good relationships are built over time. This is something that we have helped clients with in the past. And if it's something you think we can help you with, then do get in touch with us for further information. To experience the power of diverse teams, we must build them. And if we are struggling to build them, then we have to first look inwardly and be honest about the existing challenges in the organizations we serve. You can ask both yourself and your organization these kinds of questions. What is our perception in the market? And how can we represent the appropriate diversity, equity and inclusion narrative with authenticity? Of course, it is understandably challenging to attract diverse talent without existing heterogeneous staff. But what is my organization doing about this? What are we doing to engage with populations of people that have traditionally been marginalized? How fair and equitable are our recruitment practices? How inclusive is our corporate culture? What are we doing to make it more inclusive for everyone? How proactive are we when it comes to engaging with candidates in a highly competitive market? And how accountable is our leadership team in delivering the desired results? If we choose to keep ignoring these challenges, we end up empowering them instead. But once we take a good look inwardly, we may find that we not only challenge our own unconscious biases, but we also become agents of change in rewriting the narrative for others. That's my food of thought for today. Back to you, Nanda. Thank you, Chika. A great and inspirational episode with a lot of tangible suggestions and food for thought. Many thanks for providing such insightful content. And indeed, as Chika rightly puts it, to experience the power of diverse team, we must build them. This is where our, Ascenta's purpose comes in, as we have a role to play in encouraging organizations to take a progressive approach to talent attraction and to become agents of change in rewriting the narrative for others. That's it for this month. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we look forward to welcoming you back soon for a new episode. Take care till then, and please subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss the next episode. Thank you.